And it is 3 o'clock on Friday afternoon. I'm Alicia Bales, live in the studio once again with local coronavirus coverage. On every alternating Friday afternoons, the County of Mendocino and our public health officer conduct a live, uh, live stream actually, uh, media day where they give the latest numbers and uh, pandemic information for the public to know how the county's responding and what the situation is. That happens at two o'clock. So in order to to stop preempting Redwood Soul Shakedown, we we started recording it and playing it for you at three o'clock so we can still get the, the groove music for the Friday afternoon that we all need and then also get our coronavirus update. So I just listened to the update. I will give you the TLDR, the too long didn't listen version if you want now. The highlights were that uh, Mendocino County is still in a surge among the unvaccinated folks in our community. We have five in the hospital and two in five in regular care in the hospital and two in the ICU making seven total. One of the folks in the hospital is a pregnant person, and one is at UCSF. Um, and Dr. Corin, our county health officer, described this surge as similar to what we saw in the winter. There have been cases in local bars and restaurants with employees testing positive, and the county is putting out sort of alerts about that. So one of the restaurants is Applebee's in Ukiah, and one is Digger's Bar in Willits. Those are where employees were found to be positive and uh, folks who uh, dined or, or attended the, those establishments might want to get tested. Um, there's also a case in a private school at Ukiah Junior Academy uh, where a student um, had exposed others between June 5th and June 10th. Uh, the advice from our public health officer, all, all, if you are not vaccinated, all symptoms uh, should be considered COVID, allergies, mild cold, something that you otherwise wouldn't ordinarily be concerned about, uh, that all symptoms at this point, if you are unvaccinated, should be considered COVID, and he advises to get tested. Um, there's a new series of county public service an, or uh, county produced public service announcements. I've got a few of them uh, that I'm going to play for you at the end of the update. So exciting! Stay tuned for that. They're actually extremely cool and a, an amazing effort by the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion uh, Task Force of the county. So they actually are pretty cool, and uh, I will play a few of them at the end. Also, the the public health officer is concerned about a lack of cooperation uh, that he is finding when people who test positive are contacted by the contact tracers and case investigation. So he's considering uh, mandating cooperation with those efforts. Um, And there have been a few more post-vaccine or what we used to call breakthrough cases in the county, uh, including one person in the ICU who was vaccinated but is also elderly with other comorbidities so uh, that's the that's the summary in a nutshell but there's a lot more so i'm going to play the update from the county now so that you can hear it for yourself and i'll be back with um like i said the the new psas and also uh, an announcement of the upcoming vaccine events in the county so stay tuned Hello, my name is Trevor Mokel, and welcome to the Mendocino County COVID-19 update. Today, we are pleased to be joined by Mendocino County Health Officer, Dr. Andy Corrin. We'll give an update on the COVID-19 status of our county. After that, we'll open, up, open it up to take a few questions from the media concerning the COVID-19 incident, limited to two questions from each media outlet in order to preserve the schedules of our staff. If time allows, we also take questions from the public. 
If you're a member of the public, please leave your question and comments on the video below and we'll do our best to address it. Now, beginning the health update, Dr. Andy Korn, you have our attention. Thank you very much. So we'll start with uh, what's happening worldwide. COVID does seem to be decreasing worldwide, except in South America and Russia. Uh, and of course, there is a very bad outbreak continuing in India, but the numbers have decreased some. In the United States, also decreasing with cases numbering 33,371,667 and the deaths numbering 597,840 uh, at the time that I pulled the data, which, which was uh, June 7th. Hot spots in the United States seem to be in the northern rocky areas, Great Plains, Midwest, and Southeast all with the low vaccine rates. In California, the daily cases, test positivity, hospitalizations, and death are the lowest in a year. The total cases now number 3,690,868, and the deaths are 62,473, with a test positivity of 0.7%. But... In Northern California region, we have a significantly different picture with higher case rates uh, and test positivity is also significantly higher, running 2.9 to 8.5% in, uh, in our area. Mendocino County is in a surge and uh, <clears throat> as far as case numbers, they're actually the highest in our region. Uh, the numbers of cases average five to seven per hundred thousand per day. Uh, these are concentrated in Ukiah, Redwood Valley, and Willits. And the test positivity is now 3.8%. Also note that these cases are nearly all unvaccinated. So the surge is among the unvaccinated, 45% over 12 years old which means that the case rates among the at-risk is really much greater than reported for the total population. Also, please note, the vaccines are working. Our testing rate has fallen to only about 170 per day compared to over 400 a day five months ago. This limits our ability to estimate case rates accurately and, it also, and also to contain outbreaks. In the hospital, we have five on med surge, one uh, who is pregnant and one is in UC San Francisco. Um, and we have two in the intensive care unit at this time. These hospital cases have also increased. And again, because of low testing numbers, these may be a better predictor of how significant the surges we are in. These numbers are very similar to the winter surge. The deaths in our county now number 50. Uh, last week, we had the latest death in a woman in her 80s after spending three weeks in the intensive care unit. Our total cases are 4,258, of whom our Latinx community has suffered 2,056. Currently, we have no outbreaks associated with businesses or schools but we're seeing a lot of community spread and we have several troublesome high-risk exposures 
that are illustrative examples, and I want to review those. Recently reported, um, we've had cases in several bars and restaurants and in a private school. These have been patrons, workers, and students who were sick at the time they were working. Uh, one of those cases is Applebee's, and it also involves Digger Bar and Grill, where the exposures were between June 2nd and June 7th. Another high-risk case was in Office Bar and Bistro, with the exposure uh, on May 22nd. A letter was sent uh, to new case, you know, to, uh, and found a new case that was associated with that. And another um, situation arose in Ukiah Junior Academy where uh, student exposed people during the uh, uh, days of June 5th to June 10th. Mind you, these enterprises have been very cooperative, helping with contact investigation, contact tracing, in some cases, sending out letters on their own. But really, when a person is working there or attends a place sick, the cat is out of the bag for the rest of the community. And that's one of the reasons we've uh, published um, our press releases to notify the community. So a concern is for mildly symptomatic people, they think it ha they have their allergies or something very mild, which in another year would be fine, but they bring it to work or to school or to home when they're socializing. They're bringing it to their relatives and their friends. So at this time, especially during the surge, all symptoms should be considered COVID. Allergy should not be assumed. Stay home, test, and when you know you don't have COVID, then it's okay to resume your usual activities. Some who've been called refuse to talk with our contact investigation and contact tracing team. And these people are calling from the Department of Public Health to find out if contacts or cases need help uh, or um, either in housing or in uh, food. And uh, they also want to know other people uh, who may have been uh, contacted and have the illness that we all also talk to them. So I've released new orders to mandate cooperation with our contact investigation and contact tracing team when they call. We're also watching more closely these high-risk exposures in workplaces even before they become high uh, outbreaks. And we're inspecting these for safety issues to discover them, to uh, inform people, not for punitive reasons, but we need to bring our community back to a healthful uh, situation. We've talked about variants in the past, and we know that several variants have been found in Mendocino County. The California variant was replaced uh, with the UK variant, and we have seen a few of the Brazil variant viruses here in our county. These are more transmissible. They're not nearly in our county as far as we know, as much as some of our neighboring counties, but the variants could be there, and they could explain our surge in terms of the numbers. What's important is that all of these variants are still responsive to the vaccines. So we need to get more unvaccinated people to test and to vaccinate. So let's turn to vaccinations in our county now. The supply is adequate. 
and the eligibility includes all those over 12 years old. This week is the state's call to action week to try and get as many vaccines out as possible by June 15th. The state also has the Vax for the Win incentive program, which has already awarded one Mendocino resident $50,000. 15 new winners will be announced today. The first 2 million people who get vaccinated are getting $50 gift certificates. And next week, 10 people will qualify for the final raffle of $1.5 million. And this will include people who've gotten vaccinated uh, throughout uh, the, the vaccination time, so all the way back to January. The county has 12 clinics scheduled all around the county using their traveling teams. Walk-ins are accepted, and we usually have a choice of vaccines available. If you have a group who's willing, no matter how small, we will schedule a pop-up clinic there. Note that for all <clears throat> who want to travel, don't forget the Johnson & Johnson vaccines. They are one and done, and you can be ready for the summer. If you want to check out the county's um, uh, events, it's on our website, or call 707-472-2633, or you can call NCO at 707-467-3239. Or you can call my turn uh, at 833-422-4255 or, or uh, get onto myturn.ca.gov website. Primary pediatric and family medicine providers are beginning to distribute the vaccines in their clinics, either during your apartment, appointment or many even if you just drop in. Uh, the children and other vaccines uh, are available and are going to be needed as the school year starts. And uh, these can all be given on the same day. You may have noticed in Ukiah and Willits, we have billboards up. And also this week, uh, 10 county-funded PSAs are being released by the Mendocino Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion COVID-19 Equity Workgroup. These are extremely uh professionally done. People love them. I recommend you have a Kleenex available when you see the video. Um, the vaccine distribution as of Monday uh, included 84,378 doses. That is 64.5% of our population over 12 years old have been at least partially vaccinated. 54% are fully vaccinated. From an equity perspective, 61.8% of our lowest resourced populations are at least partially vaccinated. And our Hispanic population uh, is 49.5% at least partially vaccinated uh, compared to 60.5% of the Caucasians. So they are catching up. It used to be significantly less, and we're putting a lot of energy into that community. In terms of age groups, the youngest who are just starting to have their vaccines available are already up to 29.4% or at least partially vaccinated. However, those who are 18 to 49 years old are really uh, um, slowing down and they only amount to 54% are, um, are at least partially vaccinated. Now, perhaps this is thinking they cannot be harmed. They'll live through it. 
But we've had very healthy people under 30 in the intensive care unit fighting for their lives. Others may be putting it off. They just want to wait or they don't have the time. And some can't get away from work. Yet the law says employers have an obligation to cover the time for vaccines during work or later. Most concerning are those over 50 years old who are the most vulnerable and seem to have plateaued as a group at 75% vaccinated. Those extra 25% are some of the most vulnerable and we really need to get them out to get their vaccinations. And remember, there are still some who cannot get vaccinated for medical reasons. So we encourage everyone to get vaccinated to protect yourselves and others in our community. We are relying more on the hospitals and clinics to give vaccines during this slower phase. Um, and, uh, and we hope to continue to do as well as we have in the past with our current clinics and the county uh, ev events. As far as tiers go and the blueprint, uh, we have been in the least restrictive yellow tier for four weeks now, but we've been in adjudication due to higher, more restrictive tier metrics. <laughs> On June 15th, the blueprint tiers, the system for assigning industry-wide guidance will actually be rescinded. This means more responsibility will be placed on individuals and businesses to protect ourselves and our community. And what does this mean? There will be no more state-determined capacity limitations, for example, gatherings, or physical distancing requirements. Masking is still an important protection, but we understand uh, for people who are vaccinated, it's not needed except to protect others. And I want to just say that protecting others also protects our hospital and intensive care resources at this point and really protects ourselves, all of us. So masking will be mandatory for all in certain situations. Those situations outlined by the CDPH include hospital and healthcare facilities, public transportation and transportation hubs, correctional facilities, congregate livings like uh, in emergency shelters or cooling centers, and at this point indoors in K-12 schools and childcare and other youth settings. Now, that may change when the school guidances are published at the state level. Uh, and some of these uh, will also change when Cal OSHA publishes their final recommendations. For unvaccinated, in indoor public settings and businesses, they will need to uh, use masks. So that includes government offices, retail stores, restaurants, family entertainment. So what are businesses and hosts to do where masks are required only for unvaccinated people? There are three choices. First of all, everyone should be posting their requirements for all patrons. And then the options of what the business owners can do is they can continue to require all to mask inside their establishment. The second alternative is to allow self-attestation in other words, question them at the door, and if they say that uh, they are in compliance, they don't need to wear a mask, they can go without a mask. 
Or third, implement some form of verification system to determine, for example, you have to show your vaccination card uh, or your test, or the state may find a vaccination confirmation record. They don't want to go with the word of a um, vaccination passport. They don't want this to be exclusionary. There still will be uh, uh, recommendations and requirements for mega events. For indoor events greater than 5,000, people will be required to show proof of a negative test or vaccination. For outdoor mega events, which are over 10,000 people, this kind of uh, verification is recommended. And unvaccinated individuals are still recommended to use a mask if they cannot maintain six feet of distance from other people. From the point of view of travel, where the CDC is recommending following the CDC, the CDPH is recommending following the CDC advice, uh, and that includes domestic tra- for domestic travel, vaccinated people do not need to test or quarantine. And uh, however, they should be masking, of course, in the uh, during the transportation or in the transportation hubs, as I mentioned above. The unvaccinated should test before and after when they're moving around between states and they'll have to quarantine afterwards. For international travel, there may be more um, more restrictive guidelines and I'd refer anybody to check with the CDC. Remember that no one can be prevented from wearing a mask and we should not shame anyone or even assume uh, anything about them. Many people, even after they're vaccinated, will continue to wear masks because the vaccinations for people who have immune problems or have certain medications or cancer, the vaccinations may not be as effective and they need to protect themselves more. There are ongoing exemptions for those under two years old, for those who cannot uh, get vaccinated because of medical uh, or mental health reasons, and there's some other reasons as well. But for these people, usually... um, face shield with a uh, with a bib can be replaced to cover the the uh, face so in summary we in mendocino have been in a surge for about four weeks now with more hospitalizations more intensive care unit admissions and more deaths this may be plateaued a little bit but it's hard to tell because the data is not clear with our testing numbers as low as they are we're past graduations Uh, But we'll see more and more effects of any uh, gatherings as a result of those vaccinations over the next week or so. Upcoming, however, still is July 4th and Father's Day and the summer of gatherings and traveling, plus an increase in variants. Meanwhile, people want to feel that the pandemic has ended, and it has not. We must continue to test and do our contact investigation and tracing and use the tools of quarantine and isolation to protect each other. We need to continue to educate to keep masks on. And if symptoms, don't travel, don't socialize, don't go to work. We're working more closely with our hospital and clinic partners to get fully prepared for a larger surge. And please, everyone, vaccinate as soon as possible. Now is not the time to hesitate. And if you aren't vaccinated, enjoy the summer with other vaccinated people. Uh, 
And with that, I will close my presentation. Any questions, please, I'll be here. Thank you, Dr. Corrin. First up, we're going to have Sarah with KZUX and Z. Hi, thanks for having this. Um, I'm wondering, with the reopening on Tuesday, and given that Mendocino's in a surge, and um, we've had some cases popping up at a few businesses, will the county still be allowed to impose restrictions? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the county would be allowed to impose restrictions. I don't believe that they will help at this point. I think people know what they need to do. Uh, and the restrictions that there are put on by the state are the best for, you know, ourselves taking care of ourselves and each other. Uh, I think the key is that we need uh, people to get vaccinated. And for those who are still vulnerable, they should be wearing masks. And for those of us who are vaccinated, uh, I would recommend continuing to use masks indoors. Okay. And you mentioned that you're going to mandate cooperation with contact tracers, and I'm wondering um, how that's going to be implemented. If people refuse to cooperate, um, they would be liable for, uh, for um, citing and uh, fines, and, uh, you know, so that's really what we would probably use. You know, Sarah, I, I don't think that we are looking for finding people out and putting them in jail or finding them. We want to make it clear that this is the law. People really need to do this. It's not optional. It's necessary to protect our community. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is going to be Mendocino Action News. Danella. Good afternoon. Thank you for having this meeting. Uh, my question has to do with... Um, you had said our 50th death was a female that was over 80 that was in an ICU for some time. Looking back at all 50 fatalities that we've had over the last year or so, could you give us, you know, an average number or how many had comorbidities? You know, I believe that all were over 55, for example. Could you give us a little bit more information regarding that? You know, I don't think I can give you that data right now. Um, I can work on that some if you'll send that in. <clears throat> but I, I don't have all the data, uh, and that we, that's a good question. All right. My other question is, when you just recently said uh, most of the cases uh, recently were vaccinated, um, that kind of left it vague that possibly, or excuse me, unvaccinated, um, that, that possibly some were unvaccinated. I know in the beginning there were 16 cases uh, that used to be called breakthrough, and now you're calling them post-vaccine cases. Right. right. So, do we have a new total? Yeah, the, the newest total for our county is um, we've had uh, 30 out of 47,000 people who have been vaccinated. So the number of people who've had a uh, post-vaccination case is six per 10,000. And those hospitalized are four per 100,000. So the vaccines work, uh, but there is gonna be, there are gonna be some people who are gonna potentially get sick after they've been vaccinated. And if I could, since that first question wasn't really answered there, <laughs> um, out of those that had 
uh, got COVID after being vaccinated, is there something determining a factor? Um, did they not wait long enough after the second dose? Uh, were they hospitalized to a severe situation or were the symptoms less? Uh, the symptoms generally were less, but we do have uh, someone in, in the ICU now who is status post-vaccination uh, and is elderly and does have some other uh, what we would call comorbidities. Um, the, um, um, the people who are getting the, the uh, illness after vaccination tend to have many more comorbidities. And some of them may mean that the vaccination is not uh, having as much beneficial effect as in other people without those illnesses. And we've known that. So this is not unexpected. Uh, it's, it is always unfortunate. Did that answer your question? Yes, no? thank you. Okay. Thank you. Next up is going to be Matt with MendoFever.com. Matt, are you with us? All right, not hearing anything. We're going to move on to Mendo Voice. Adrian. Thanks, Trevor. Um, Dr. Korn, I was wondering, um, the, uh, the, the, correct me if I'm wrong about the, the terminology, but as I understand it, the Indian variant is now being called the Delta variant. Maybe there's a second Indian yeah. variant that's called the Delta variant? No, the Indian variant is being called the Delta variant now. So uh, I, I was reading the other day that the, the whereas the, the, breakthrough rate or the post-vaccine rate is in the low single percent single digits for the normal variant um it's it might be in the double digits 15 around 15 percent for the delta variant i saw that I'm not i'm not saying that that's but um given that when do you think we should expect should we be expecting booster shots to inoculate us against these um these new variants is that in the pipeline is that something that there's been any discussion of a timeline for First of all, um, percent of these uh, infections post-vaccination are really much less. So, the, so I, I'm not quite sure. So, before I answer that, I want to make sure it's clear that the percent of cases um, after vaccination in our community are 0.0625 percent. And hospitalized are 0.004%. So significantly less than 10 or 15%. Let's just be very clear about that. And then what was the second part of your question? The second part was that, so it was, it was, well, I guess I'm asking if you have a comparison between the Delta variant and the ordinary variant. But if, if not, um, Will there be will there be boosters? Is that something we should be expecting? Is this something that we should sort of be normalizing in our lives that we should just expect every year we're going to get a COVID booster? Well, we've gotten used to that with the flu, uh, and we and we realized that you know certainly with HIV that the multiplication, the faster it multiplies, the faster the contagion is, the more likely there's going to be mutation, and the more likely you're going to need uh, boosters with some changes in those boosters. Uh, to cover the new variants. With COVID, the current vaccines are producing a tremendous um, immune response. And so far, uh, it looks like their immunity is out uh, to nine months, as far as we can see among those who are at, were in the phase uh, three trials. And they're not seeing a lot of immune uh, 
decompensation. So I have not heard uh, that we're expecting boosters because they're being less effective. While the um, the Delta variant, the India variant, is a, is more transmissible than, for example, the UK variant, uh, which was the Alpha variant, uh, and that was uh, 50% more transmissible than the the native COVID. Um, it it may have a slightly more resistant to the vaccine, but it's really not a lot. And so my understanding is that the vaccines are still very active against all of the variants we've seen in the United States. Um, there may be some decrease, but it's not significant in terms of affecting the population. I think when we have a little bit more time with this vaccination on board, we can see if the immune, immunogenicity or the, the uh, immune resistance wanes, and then there will be a need for a booster. Um, and I'm sure that the drug companies are thinking up new ways to kill the variants. So when they have to have a, a booster, they'll have one that's also uh, capable against those variants. But right now, uh, the short answer is I have not heard talk of either developing a uh, booster or when it might be circulated. So the one we have is good. Let's get it. And... Um I also wanted to ask, are we earlier in the pandemic, there was if there was a fear that if we dipped under a certain number of doses, doses of tests per week, um, that we might have the uh, the testing pulled from us. Is that a risk now, given how low the testing rates gotten? Oh, that's a good question. Because we're in the situation we're in. I've actually had a conversation with the people at the state level, and we're not only keeping the testing that we have, but we're also uh, continuing to have access to the state-level volunteers who help us with contact investigation, contact tracing, and they have made it clear that if we need more help with uh, testing or with vaccinations, they would step up. At this point, our county teams are doing a fantastic job, and uh, we have more in store and more plans uh, to go forward. We just need people to come in and get their tests and come in and get their shots. Thank you, Adrian. Um, I'm not seeing any questions to the public at this time, so I'm going to go back through the media one more round and see if we guys have any more questions. So starting off with uh, Sarah, KZYXNZ. and Z. Yeah, I'm wondering if you could go into some more details about what it means that our status is being adjudicated. Ah, yes. So we, uh, the, the state had... Uh, strict metric numbers uh, to decide what color tier they would put us in. And uh, we were among the first to achieve yellow tier metrics. That was case rates, uh, test positivity. They also looked at some other issues, how many were in the hospital, what our hospital capacity was, uh, how we were doing with vaccination. Anyway, we were in the yellow tier. As this surge kicked in, our case rates went up. And our, and, our, uh, and our test positivity went up. Our vaccination rate continued to be very good. And our testing rate, though it came down, um, we actually are utilizing our um, uh, state-provided resources better than other counties are doing. Um, and we have, thank goodness, the capacity in our hospitals 
that the burden of the disease is not excessive. And for that reason, they said, hey, let's not move them back to orange or red yet. And I think as they're winding down and getting us to the uh, beyond the blueprint, I think that they did not they don't want to move any of the counties back. You know, if they were to move us back, they would only, according to the rules, move us back to the orange tier. And if you look at what's available or what's restricted or not restricted, uh, the difference would not make as much uh, um, of a change in our county's um, uh, activities. And uh, so we've been doing an enormous amount more messaging, uh, making our vaccines available, testing available, and uh, a lot more contact investigation and tracing. But it was adjudicated because they said, hey, you know, you guys are uh, not where the metrics ought to be, but we don't want to move you back yet. And that happened to several counties. Um, and in the earlier days, during that adjudication period, uh, the county health officers often went to the California Department of Public Health and pled their case and so on and so forth. Uh, it really wasn't necessary for us at this point. They said, stay in yellow. But we still needed to keep the, the, you know, the case rates down, the vaccines up, and the testing up as much as we could. And that's what we're doing. So it was a conditional pass, basically. Correct. Okay. Thanks. Do you have a follow-up? No, that's it. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, next up, Mendo Action News. Danella? Uh, yes. Thank you. So my question is about schools. I was reading that when we reopen, that one of the changes could be at school K through 12, that you'd be wearing masks still inside, but not outside. And then you also said the guidelines have yet to come out. And um, I've also noticed that graduation has looked a little different this year. They've been able to have a larger crowd and modify, and a lot of the students have had vaccines and staff as well. Um, do you believe that school's gonna look like that next year, or how do you think? Um. I, what I'm, what I'm told is at this point, uh, the CDPH is recommending all schools from K to 12 and childcare and youth settings indoors, everyone would wear masks. Now that may change. The school guidance has not been finalized yet. So even as uh, Dr. Aragon, uh, who's our, our state uh, director of public health, uh, even as he uh, wrote these up, he said, this is still a question. And I, I, if I didn't make it clear before, uh, the state's Cal OSHA recommendations have not, as far as I can read, have been finalized. So it's been very confusing the last three or four days. And, uh, and so I'm not going to try and give you the answer. I'm going to give you as honest an answer as I can. Understandable. Thank you. Um, just a quick recap of what you said there's been some cases recently at bars and restaurants of people showing up uh, with symptoms and still going to work uh, and you had said you know how you could uh, prevent some of that is testing when you have these symptoms a lot of people you know as we're going into spring and summer are having allergies so is there anything that you would that you could add on to that yes thank you for the question i have allergies too I get my sniffles. I did get vaccinated. Um, people who think they have allergies oftentimes have a mild cold in the past. Now that mild cold may be COVID and it could travel through our community and kill someone. So my advice is if you really 
if you're not vaccinated and you have symptoms, even if they're as mild as your allergies, get tested and stay home until you know the results of the test. That's our advice. I know that's, you know, that seems like, oh my gosh, uh, but most people will know, you know, if their antihistamines aren't working or their nasal spray that they take for for their allergies, uh, this could be a cold and they should be very cautious because it's not like an allergy, which is not contagious. We're in a situation where COVID is very dangerous and they could be harboring it. Many people don't even know they have the symptoms and they're passing it along. So if you have symptoms, treat it if you think it's an allergy as you would an allergy. And if it's not better or things are getting worse, stay home, get tested. That's That would be my advice. Thank you. Adrian, middle voice, you have a follow-up question? Um, yeah, uh, Dr. Korn, I want to be, um, I don't want to say that the, um, pandemic is over by any means you you can you make that point frequently but i think that we have a little bit of perspective and distance from where we were at the beginning and i'm wondering if you could comment on the uh the death rate for confirmed cases in mendocino county was is like 1.2 or something percent um is that is that normal was that higher or lower and you have any reasons why that might have been um it's in the range of others. It may be a little higher than some of the surrounding counties, and I don't have a good reason for it. Uh, you're talking about the, the uh, number of deaths per population or the number of deaths per people who are hospitalized, and we've looked at that, and uh, it's not that significantly different, and we can't find any reasons for it either. It could just sort of be normal statistical variation with a fairly small sample size. Yes. Yeah. We have a small county. And so when we compare ourselves to some of the much more populated counties, it's a little hard to know whether ours are really solid numbers. Thank you. So we're still not seeing any questions from the public. So if you'd like to do one more round of questions, we have about 10 minutes left. Um, I can just go through the list one more time. Uh, Sarah, do you have any questions? Nope, I'm done. Thank you. Okay. Danella? Uh, yeah, just another recap. Uh, Dr. Corrin, you said that people that are vaccinated could go in certain environments without wearing their mask unless they are living with someone vulnerable at home. Can you explain why that is? You know, if people are vaccinated, uh, they themselves are very well protected, but they may be able to transmit a virus without getting infected to someone who's more vulnerable at home. And that's, that's the point I'm saying. Be a little bit more cautious if you yourself have some, for example, immune deficiencies, or if you're getting cancer chemotherapy, um, then you yourself should be cautious, and your family members uh, should also be a little bit more cautious. So, it's at this point we're doing well with vaccinations, but there's uh, in the range of 40% of our population out there who's not completely vaccinated. Many will have uh, some infection and be asymptomatic. And we don't want to carry it home to our more vulnerable elders, people who are have some illness, or even the children. Thank you. Uh, Mendo Voice, Adrian, you have a follow-up? 
Yeah, I, mean, I, I came in late, so I'm sorry if you, you covered this already. But um, I'm wondering what the what the standards are going to be at evacuation centers this summer when the fires come. Well, what is the that last year we luckily didn't have to do any major evacuations. There was actually Brook Trails did, but I think it was I don't remember. But um, this, you know, if we do have a substantial evacuation, we have to set up evacuation centers across the county, or if we're taking people in from Sonoma County, this has happened in past years. What are those evacuation centers going to look like? Is do we have a high enough percentage vaccinated that actually restrictions will be fairly minor? Or are we going to have to do something more complicated like like last year? The recommendations from CDPH will be that everyone will have to be masked in emergency uh, centers like the uh, shelters. And in some situations, there'll be cooling centers that will be needed. Uh, any congregate living facilities, uh, those recommendations will be for everyone to be masked. But, but if we have to set up... Um Remember last year there was there was issues if there had to be overnight people had to go to an evacuation center overnight traditionally you might set up cots last year that did that wasn't an option they were looking at people hotel rooms this year would it be cots again or you know would it be more of a traditional evacuation center what kind of capacity is the the county and the state going to have to respond to that we'll respond you know to the extent that we need to the the only uh, recommendations that have so far been made that i've seen is on masking for those centers. So it, it will not depend on whether you are vaccinated or not. You'll need to wear your masks. So far, the um, recommendations for uh, social distancing within those uh, centers has not been an issue. It has not been identified except uh, that the Beyond the Blueprint um, uh, advisories have said there'll be no more social distancing um, requirements. We may change that um, if it becomes an issue. We still think it's safer in general for people to keep some distance between their cots. And so for that reason, we usually arrange them head to toe and we leave a certain amount of space in between. It's also more comfortable for people. Thank you. All right, um, we have about five minutes left. If there's any follow-up questions, otherwise we can uh, wrap things up. All right, hearing nothing, that sums up today's COVID-19 update. Thank you for joining us. I'd like to give Dr. Corn an opportunity to give some concluding comments. Thank you. Well, I'm glad I've been able to answer the questions of the press. I just want to emphasize that we are in a surge at this point. Uh, the numbers may seem smaller, but when you look at it from the point of view of the testing being decreased, but the hospitalization and ICU numbers are very high, you realize that this is a surge and that it is especially affecting a much narrower cut of our community, which is those who are unvaccinated. So we want to continue to advise testing because without testing, we can't catch these outbreaks before they come through. We want to especially advise that anyone who has symptoms, even minor symptoms, uh, that they should get tested and stay at home from work or school uh, or even sports and fun until they know that they are without this COVID virus so it doesn't affect the whole community. 
And on our part, we'll continue to do the contact investigation and tracing. And we want everybody out there to understand that we're doing it for their good because if they need services, we want to be there to help them and for the good of the community. Uh, and in the meantime, as the rules come down after the blueprint is closed, uh, keep, keep your masks with you um, and, uh, and ask everyone else to keep their masks with them. There are certain indoor environments that um, everyone will have to be masked, whether you are vaccinated or not. Um, and in some cases, there may be a choice, either for the uh, person who runs the enterprise or for you. Uh, but let's try and keep ourselves and each other as, health as, we, as healthy as we can and get vaccinated until we get beyond this uh, pandemic and live safely and more normally uh, in the future. So get vaccinated. If you have any symptoms and you haven't been vaccinated, get tested. And if you're vaccinated, have a good summer. Thank you, Dr. Corrin. Our next update is scheduled for June 25th. Please continue to follow Mendocino County Public Health on Facebook and Twitter for all COVID-19 updates. Thank you for joining us and hope everyone has a great weekend. All right, and that's going to do it for Mendocino County's uh, public health briefing on the coronavirus. I'm Alicia Bales, live here in the KZYX Philo studio, and I just recorded that briefing off of their, uh, actually I was in the Zoom meeting, but you can see it again on the County of Mendocino's YouTube page, uh, and also at their Facebook page for Mendocino County Public Health. If you want to do attend that that briefing live or watch it live so that you can ask questions, um, you you can do that on their Facebook page and, and put your questions into their uh, their chat below um, the comment section. And that is the next briefing is going to be in two weeks from two to three o'clock. We'll bring it to you from three to four o'clock. Um, now, let me just announce the upcoming vaccination opportunities for the next couple of days that the county has posted at their website. Uh, starting in about 10 minutes at the Ukiah Raley's. Um, from 4 to 6 p.m. at the Ukiah Raley's, there is a Pfizer uh, vaccination event. All individuals age 12 and older are welcome. It is walk-up only. If you're in the store getting your groceries or on your way to the grocery store and you haven't yet gotten your shot, this is a great opportunity to do it. Uh, tomorrow, the 12th, uh, there is a Pfizer vaccination event at Club Calpella in Lynn Mendocino again. And that's from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Again, open to all individuals age 12 and older. And there is an event from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Ukiah Super Chavez Market. I guess they're trying to get people while they're getting their groceries, which is good strategy, I suppose. Uh, it's a Pfizer event from 3 to 5 p.m. at the Ukiah Super Chavez Market, south end of town. All individuals age 12 and older, again, walk up. If you are a minor, you need to bring a consent form, a a, a written consent form you can get a copy of that um, on the Mendocino County website and have your parent or guardian sign that so those are the vaccine opportunities coming up today and tomorrow in inland Mendocino uh, of course you can uh, go to any of your uh, local pharmacies they're all now offering the vaccine your clinics your primary care providers pediatricians 
all have access to the vaccine and all can provide you with the shots that you need. Um, the other thing that Dr. Corin talked about was this new PSA series or these public service announcements, efforts to reach out to not just the white community in Mendocino County, but to all of our diverse communities here. Uh, this is a project of the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Task Force of Mendocino County. And I've got a few of these here that I want to play. I'm going to play just a couple of them uh, so that you can hear uh, the, the, the good, extraordinary work of, of this team of folks who are trying to reach out and make sure that um, people who maybe uh, are marginalized or maybe don't have access to um, information are, are reached out to and spoken to uh, in order to be encouraged to get the vaccine and to be safe. Uh, like maybe the more affluent uh, or more mainstream parts of our community who seem to get the the privilege of lots and lots of information and access. So uh, I think that was among the goals of the DEI uh, task force, and we're going to hear their work now. I want to thank you all for continuing to keep yourself informed about the coronavirus. We are, again, as as Dr. Corin said, in a surge, uh, and it is focused among, um, are concentrated among our unvaccinated residents, so that means that the, the risk for unvaccinated people is is high and and getting higher uh and so um it is a good time to just take the plunge and and get that shot uh so let's hear from the diversity equity and inclusion committee and thanks again we are so lucky to live in mendocino county the beauty of this place is reflected in the hearts of the people who live here we may not all look alike or sound alike but we are all one community during this pandemic we need to be kind to one another and keep each other safe. By being careful not to spread the virus. And by getting vaccinated as soon as we can. We need to do this for each other. And we can do this together. together. We can do this. Presented by Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Group of Mendocino County. We are our ancestors' children and we carry their intergenerational traumas attached to trusting the government and vaccinations. I chose to get vaccinated because I had to be a good leader and example for my people. I also got vaccinated to protect my daughter, who has a compromised immune system. I urge you to get vaccinated to become a protector of our elders and Native community. Presented by Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Group of Mendocino County. I got vaccinated because my children can't get vaccinated. Because I love my family and I love my community. To see my mom, uh, it was her birthday coming up, and so I just wanted to be safe and protect her. I felt it was the right thing to do. My parents are in their 90s. My husband teaches children. I'm active in my community, not only to protect myself, but for my ohana too. Because it's the only way to stop the spread of coronavirus. So please get vaccinated. Presented by Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group of Mendocino County. You've been 
listening to the local coronavirus update from KZYXNZ Mendocino County Public Broadcasting in Philo, California. This podcast is made possible by funding from the Mask Awareness Project of North Coast Opportunities. To hear this program live, tune in on Mondays and Fridays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time to KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Williton Ukiah at 91.5 FM, and in Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. Or you can hear us anywhere at kzyx.org, where you can also find out how to donate or become a KZYX member. Thanks for listening.